You're listening to Finn Too Deep. To a back to throw, blitz coming, and get to him. No, he takes off running, and he's he in. It. Touchdown, Miami! With the sixth pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Jalen Waddle. Giving you unfiltered, informed, and controversial takes on the Miami Dolphins and the NFL Draft. Here's Reason and Neil. Good Finn Nation, what's good? It's your boy Reason. We are back here for another one. I am joined by my two co-hosts in the audio podcast community, let's call it. Obviously, to my, well, I guess, here, you know, to one side, I got Neil Driscoll, and then below me, the legendary Richmond Webb. Gentlemen, how are you? Go ahead, Neil. No, I'll, I, I, I can never go before you, man. You go first. <laughs> Man, you sound like ball game. They do this to me every week. Uh, <laughs> gentlemen, I'm good. Um, always a ble- always a pleasure to be on the show. Uh, first time with you, Neil, but uh, respect what you do. Know about you, just never had a chance to converse with you this minute. So this should be exciting for me. Definitely looking forward to it, but I'm good. Um, by week last week, Dolphins on a five-game winning streak and the uh, the thing that I was concerned about was being able to stay focused and win that game going into the bye week. But we did that. And now um, this week we got the Jets at home. So looking forward to that, um, to continue to get number six in a row instead of five. So I'm doing good. Um, family's good. Getting ready for Christmas. Um, Earlier I saw where my Aggies right now have the early number one recruiting class so things are really good for me i have no complaints how you doing neil i'm doing great kind of the same as you family's doing good getting ready for the holidays i, I you know i i feel i feel a little weird when we go on a bye week though i don't, I don't know i, I, I kind of miss it you know like just having that thrill of waking up sunday you know i like nothing better than football sunday so when your team's not playing you still watch the games but like you're like you're, you're not into them as much uh, and, and I know for sure that I'm feeling a lot better than Zach Wilson because if I if I, if I'm Zach Wilson, I'm looking at this Dolphins defense, and I know what I've been you know doing this year, and um, you know it's excited to have the Dolphins back, um, you know seven and seven staring them right in the face. So uh, you know I think it's a really exciting time, and you know I don't know about you guys, but I I, I would like to give my heart a break this week and have the Dolphins go in there and lay a thumping. I I I would like to see a thumping. And, you know, we don't do that too often. You know, we kind of play up and down to the competition. But, um, you know, it's the home stretch here. And and the Miami Dolphins can do something very, very special. Um, It's a four-game season. Um, You know, take it week by week. You can give me a reason why we win every game of the next four. And, you know, you're not going to have to hard sell me. I see it. You know, big picture, winning nine games in a row in the NFL is really, really hard to do. So, um, you know, it, it's kind of a, a coin flip to me at this point. But, like, you know, the only game that matters right now is the one that's on Sunday against the Jets. Yeah, winning nine games is hard to do, so much so, in fact, that since the year 2000, the Dolphins have only won six games in a row twice, and those are the most games in a row they've won since 2000. So they can tie that mark this weekend, and they could, dare I say, beat that mark in prime time against the New Orleans Saints. Um you know, because, you know, actually, I want, I want to start off this. I'm going to be doing a show tomorrow night um, where I'm going to be opening up to everyone. 
But I want to get your guys' opinion on this. I'm throwing you a curveball. It wasn't on the list. Besides the playoffs, if the Dolphins could give you anything for Christmas, because the playoffs is obvious, what would it be? And just, you know, I'll spoil mine a little bit here. Mine, I'm going to stay consistent, has been if we get to 7-7 seven and seven after being 1-7 and seven, and then we go into primetime and Tua is a major contributor and we come out after the nation watches us beat the Saints and we come out 8-7, and seven, not only to me is that a realistic goal, and I, they have a good defense, not only is that a realistic goal to me, but that would make me happy and that would in some ways look like we recovered some of the season to be a game above 500 when you started 1-7 and seven, to set a new winning franchise winning streak in the last 20 plus years would be pretty cool as well to come out of the cellar. I know a lot of us would be like, what if, what if, what if, but I mean, that's what I want for Christmas. And lo and behold, that's on December 27th. So it's only a couple of days after Christmas, but um, Richmond, let's start with you. What would you want for Christmas? And for you, I'm going to say besides Austin Jackson, <laughs> Uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in agreement with both of you guys. I, I think the thing is, is especially the way the first half of the season started going with the seven losses in it and then to turn it around like we have, we got four games left. And if we can finish strong and I know a lot of people saying if we win these four, you know, get in the playoffs, but there are three or four teams we're in the hunt, but there are three or four teams above us that, if things don't work out, we could win all the games and not make it to the playoffs. Or if you win three out of, of the last four games, I think that's a, a really good accomplishment. So I would I would be fine with something like that. Uh, knowing that and then knowing that we all know not only the coaching staff and the, the uh, scouting department, pretty much everyone can see what our deficiencies are, what we need to improve in this and that. Think pretty much we're set on defense, but address those areas in in, um, in the offseason. But if we could go like three or four, just mainly finish the season strong, that would that would make my Christmas, uh, especially the way with that seven game slide. I'd like to see us finish strong. That that would that would that would be my Christmas present. Neil, what do you what do you want under the tree from what? good old Saint Stephen Ross? I was snooping in, in the closet and I, and I already found my Christmas gifts early because, you know, I've gotten the three things that I think I wanted out of this Miami Dolphins team. And, and I'm like, I'm, I'm a lot like Richmond. Like, you know, sure, it, as Dolphin fan, I'd love to see the playoffs, but that's not going to be my barometer of what's successful. The three things that I learned about this team, first of all, is I'm confident now we have our head coach. Like, there were times where I started to doubt Brian Flores, but the fact that the team didn't quit on him with one and seven, now he has to give up a little of that pride, and he has to figure out a way to help build the offense. But the fact that this team didn't quit when they were one and seven, and we actually saw a resurgence, like, he has to get a lot of credit there. That's yeah, true. Yeah. Part two of that is this draft class is as good as I've seen in the Miami Dolphins in decades, and I really believe that, that it has superstar home run potential, the, the rookies are thriving. Like, you know, this isn't one of those things where, you know, I'm waiting for Charles ha Harris to get one sack so I can validate him. I mean, these rookies are th are three of the best players on the team right now. So that's really exciting. And third is the resources. Like, we know the deficiencies, just like Richmond said, but we also have a ton of cap space, a ton of draft capital to address that. So knowing that we have those three things for me, 
sure, like the playoffs would be nice, but I really truly believe that this Dolphins team has the foundation to be a contender next year, the year after that, because their best players are young. They're a young roster. Um, you know, the only you know, the only players that I think you have to really start worrying about kind of battling father time in the NFL sense is like an Xavier Howard, but I don't know. Like, right every time I start to say that, you know, maybe he is slowing he's down. Form too, right now. Right, then he starts to play. You know, really, really well. So I, I just, I think there's a lot of things to be excited about being a Miami Dolphins fan. And you know, I, I don't think it's one of those situations where you know, if they're eight and seven and they go to Tennessee and things don't go their way, it's like, oh my God, the sky has fallen. Let's remember where this team was just five weeks ago and how bad that felt. Reason you and I, I mean, we had like counselors calling bro, us. The- you're, the, you're the best during a game when you start messaging me, bro. It's a roller coaster going through that. Eh? Yeah, I'm an emotional guy. And I love it, bro. It's awesome. It's one of the things I look forward to on Sundays. But like, you know, like, and, and then like the elephant in the room, the one thing that's got to be excited is like, as a Dolphin fan, like, Tua could have been a complete bust, right? And he could have been hurt and been injury prone. But the way he's fought back, his mental toughness, his clutchness, those are things you like, good qualities in a quarterback. I mean, like, you know, I know we're going to talk about, you know, his fate, whether this is his team later. But, like, I, you know, to his past you know, test. You know, you know what's just crazy about you bringing him up, Neil, is, like, we all can agree that Javon Holland, Jalen Phillips, and Jalen Waddle obviously have – Pro Bowler written all over them, potential all prolers written all over them, right? And I've had this discussion on this channel. You know, I think if you hit 40 to 50% on your draft class, you're a god. If you hit 30, you know, 30 above 30 to 40%, you are amazing. If you hit 20 to 30% on your picks, you're really good at your job, right? Like, not a lot of people have like really high hit marks when you start breaking it down, right? But, anyways, I digress. What What's crazy is. You know, even if Raekwon Davis becomes a pro bowler or an all pro, none of that's going to be remembered if Tua becomes your franchise guy. That's going to be the draft class that's talked about, and that's always going to be tied to Chris Greer. You know, hitting on your franchise quarterback is a lot harder to do in the NFL than to hit on a wide receiver, to hit on a safety, to hit on any other position. Look at how many teams are, I mean, look at Arizona. Drafted Rosen, traded him next year, drafted Kyler Murray because they wanted their guy, and they've hit Kyler Murray. But, you know, you look at this draft class coming through right now, I think they're, you know, I did a top five reasons why the Dolphins team can make the playoffs and why they can't make the playoffs. And the draft class was my number two reason of why, because what's crazy is, listen, if you kind of think about it, what was one of the amazing ingredients that put the Bucks over the top last year? Some of their rookie players were impact players off the rip from the first snap. Getting three impact players in year one, that is like damn near and unheard of, like at different positions. Like I know Sims and Richmond came in in the same year, right? But like that's rare, right? Like how many times can we say in one draft class, we've had guys, Dieter took three years to contribute Gaskin, same draft class. Is he really like, you know, like it's been really hard. And I know a lot of people have backpedaled on Greer and, you know, I guess me included, and I guess you included as well. Um, And a lot of people have backpedaled on Flores, me included, and I guess you included as well. (laughs) Um, You know, I know they've saved their job, but 
do you think there is you you kind of talked about it let's just hop into it right away because people want to hear about it is there any way that Tua could have saved his job is the decision already internally made that we're going this route because Albert Breer just brought it up right and um Basically, he said that what he's hearing is we're going to circle back. And what's crazy is, you remember that athletic article like last week that mentioned Gasecki's going to command eleven to thirteen million. But we'll get into that, right? In that same article, which is at you got to be a you got to be a subscriber to the athletic, right? In that same article, they too mentioned the circling back to Deshaun Watson. So, if, if multiple outlets are reporting it, and I'll start with you, Neil. And then I want to hear Richmond's take on this. Is it is the decision really already made here? I, I don't think it could be a foregone conclusion because Tua can catch lightning in the bottle, take this team to the playoffs, maybe sneak in and win a playoff game. Who knows? Like Crazy things happen. This is the NFL, and, and there's not a team that stands out to me right now that you say is unbeatable, right? But I, I think the reason that this story keeps wearing its ugly head is because there's a lot, and reason we know this from conversations that we've had with, with people, um, it, it, it it's very apparent that there is a mutual love between Deshaun Watson and the Miami Dolphins. And, you know, I, I kind of, we were talking about this before we hopped on here. Hold and Mo Kelly reported, and I've asked this question and I'm just going to pose this as an extension of you. It's a fair question to ask. Is he in love with the organization? Because Omar Kelly's reported it's location, location, location. And I've also theorized, I think he's in love with more the lifestyle and the location than the organization because remember we were all asking ourselves why would this guy still want to come here when we're one in seven and everything's in shambles right now well you know who, who doesn't love the lifestyle right like I, i'm not I, saying I, there's anything wrong with it but i'm just saying is it more location or is it the organization well, if you're going to make a trade and you're going to trade three three first round picks and throw a hundred million plus at a guy you better do your due diligence and say you know we're going to give this guy resources to keep him out of trouble right like that, that's any player in the nfl but you know i i think look i i understand why the miami dolphins are interested in him and yeah. we talked about this before we hopped on like you know it's not i'm not saying this is what i would do but 26 year old top five quarterbacks in the nfl grow on trees and they don't ever become available and yeah. But, you know, while Tua is right in the ship here winning football games, you know, like I, you can you can argue that our offense is kind of boring at times, right? And a guy like Deshaun Watson can take that excitement to the level, to the next level. And, you know, Tua's far from a finished product. But, you know, I, I think there is a lot of interest. And I think that the Dolphins obviously agreed to the compensation already for the deal. So they have the framework worked out. Like, you know, I, I think the the thing that we'll know is there's going to be a lot more clarity after January. And if that clarity checks out, I, I truly envision that Deshaun Watson is going to be the starting quarterback of this team in September. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like I've said, you know, if he gets indicted in January, every because we need that stuff to get settled in the civil cases, it's pretty much a wrap because that won't all be handled by March when the new season starts. Um Richmond, I know you listened back to what Albert Breer said. Um, this stuff is still popped up. I mean, what are your thoughts? Like, we don't even have to just stick on Watson. We can stick to two a year. Do you think he, the internally, the decision's already been made on him? Like, if we went out and make the playoffs, do you think there's – and we, God forbid, we win a playoff game with Tua for all the people that don't want him to. Do you think it's still already been a decision? <laughs> I think, I think it makes it a lot tougher um, 
to ship a guy out, especially if he continues to improve. And then um, we actually win a playoff game. Uh, I think that would really probably upset a lot of the fan base because when this first came out, you know, weeks ago that this possible trade might happen, half of the fan base was, yeah, let's do it. And half of them was like, no. And I remember we talking about it on the show, you know, several weeks, this and that. But um, the way he continues to play, this and that, um, I think it definitely strengthened his case or whatever to say, you know, do we really want to do this, upset this? I mean, I understand the thing with, with Deshaun Watson, I think Neil brought up some great things. You know, a guy that young, top five quarterback, along with this defense, it is something you got to take into consideration, which I would like to see him stick with to a bit. I mean, um, at the end of the day, um, I think Brian Flores and Chris Greer going into their fourth year, they probably said, you know, we need to make it to the playoffs. Um, who gives us the best chance? You know, the defense is pretty much set. But like you said, um, you bring a guy like that in and with some weapons, it pretty much guarantees barring injury or barring some crazy COVID numbers, taking out certain guys. It almost everybody will be on the bandwagon, not just fans, but you'd have a lot of people come from other teams and say, oh, man, they should do some things. And the analysts, you know, on TV and everything would would hop all over that. But um, I think it I think the main thing is. Tua continues to focus like he has to that. And then we just got to wait like in January. And I remember before um, Mr. Ross wanted to know the ramifications. Okay. If we do do this deal, mm-hmm. what are we looking at? And if they can't give him anything definitive again, then maybe that helps strengthen Tua's case, you know, again, and stand here. So um, I would like to see Tua stay here, but I think the best thing he can do is continue to, if we continue to win games and finish strong, I think that definitely helps his case. Well, and if I could add one point, because I think that's a great point, but I actually think as we're talking about what's hard about trading too is that the fan base loves him and he's playing good football. If you look at it from the front office standpoint and you talk about moving assets, like if Deshaun Watson is their guy and Tua continues to play good, I mean, his value right now is way higher than it was all the way back at the trade deadline, right? Like, because he's playing good football. He's showing some of that poise. You know, like the national media, they've taken that turn on Tua where they were, you know, kind of a heel against him. Now they're like, you know, Tua's looking really good. And, like, everyone, that narrative's changing. So, like, they might think in their heads now, well, if the cost of Deshaun Watson, it was three first-round picks, I think I can get a first and a second for Tua. And and that might even strengthen their argument to – Think about making this trade even deeper if two is not their guy. Um, you know, and, and God, like it just shows you how much of a cutthroat business this has become, right? You're talking about a, a guy who's played winning football. I mean, he's won more than he's lost since he's been in Miami. He had a team that was, you know, a joke of the NFL de- to 10 wins last year, replacing a pretty big personality in Ryan Fitzpatrick, right? And, and a good quarterback at that. Um, you know, I, I know we all want the fantasy football stats to pop off the charts and, and we want 50 touchdowns and that we saw that with Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. But like, you know, I'm all about w- whatever it takes to win a championship. I don't need a guy. If two is an elevated game manager and that wins me football games, sign me up. I'm OK with that. Like mm-hmm. that, like we talk about the term game manager like it's bad. Well, you know what? Early in his career, Tom Brady was a game manager and that worked really, really well for New England. And then as he got into into his career, he built more confidence. 
his skills started to really, you know, articulate his game. And I think that we'll see something like that with Tua. So, like, as a Dolphins fan, it's it's kind of a win-win. As a Tua fan, it's kind of a kick below the belt. And that's just the way I kind of feel about it. Like, you know, it's, you know, like, because I'll say this. If you take all the football stuff aside and you look at this Dolphins roster and Deshaun Watson's your starting quarterback to Richmond's point, I mean, there's going to be people that are going to say the Miami Dolphins are a Super Bowl contender. Not a And I would think they're wrong. We got more holes in the quarterback right now. Deshaun Watson does not fix this offensive line. He does not fix the run game. And he does not fix the lack of weapons. It would still be Deshaun Watson, Waddle, and Gasecki as your only offensive options right now. Like, that would literally be it. We would be a perennial first and second round out right now with Deshaun Watson. Like, guaranteed, though. That's the difference. With Tua, we don't know what we are. With Watson, we can pretty much guarantee we're at least getting to the first round, right? When you say that, though, the one question I have is when you look at the AFC, the kind of the infrastructure of the AFC, the way it is today, like, look at all this. I'll tell you this. I'm I'm just, I'm going to throw the fire. (laughs) Tua ain't blowing a 24 point lead in the the playoffs. I'm just saying, bro. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm just saying there's not, like, I think if you look at the NFL as a whole, like, you have to have, there's a salary cap. You can't have 50. I agree. 110%. But here's the thing. They still had DeAndre Hopkins, right? They they traded all those assets and ponied up the money for Laramie Tunsil. So they were still – and I know I had this conversation with someone yesterday. My whole point was, you know, I was trying to say, listen, even just they, the Texans realized – we cannot win the Super Bowl with Deshaun Watson, and they had a great defense when they were when they were winning the division, and when JJ Watt was in his prime, Clowney was rocking, uh, Reed was back there when they had all those got when that that defense was good. Okay, Cunningham and Bernard McKinney, McKinney in their early years that they were good. All right, and they realized we cannot listen. They re- if if they didn't think he needed a top 15 line they wouldn't have given up all those assets and they wouldn't have traded for Laramie Tunsil and because here's the thing someone came up yesterday and once said whoa well they had Dwayne Brown and then he wanted out and I get that Dwayne Brown ceiling Laramie Tunsil ceiling let's stop kidding ourselves that's why they overpaid for Laramie Tunsil because they're like we can get a potential top five top three guy ceiling to protect our quarterback's blind side for the so my whole point is even they realized with the weapons we had, because Lamar Miller, he wasn't breaking it, but he was consistently getting you 80 or 90 yards a game at least, right? And, you know, he was consistently doing He wasn't breaking for like 120 yards, but he was getting you those 80 to 90 yards a game, right? And they were saying, we still need the offensive line. We still need to finish that. And And first of all, I don't think our weapons are nearly what they were when Watson was making those deep runs. All we have is Waddle. Gasecki, since that I don't know what happened when the when the spotlight came out on a prime time in Baltimore. Sorry, against Baltimore. But Gasecki, bro, earlier in the season, Neil, if you would have hit Gasecki in the face mask in the end zone, he's making the catch. Yeah, he needs know, the game this way. Yeah, he needs to come yeah, back. I don't know what's happened, okay? So we can't rely on him. Okay. I, I made this point. You know what the most depressing thing about the Patriots winning? And Mac Jones throwing the ball three times. It's not that he's still going to win Offensive Rookie of the Year when they just prove 
they can win with any quarterback. They don't even need Mac Jones. It's the fact that the running game and the offensive line complemented the run defense. We can't get one of those two units to, to complement our defense. Well, let's just put the the shit we, we have. Like the the numbers came out two hundred eight point two, the most cap space that we could have anticipated. Dolphins were, I think, yeah. second or first, right around eighty million dollars in cap space. We've talked about how they can make you know some easy cuts to get them to one hundred. Like okay. you could you could legitimately and and Deshaun Watson apparently would be willing to restructure his contract. You're talking about being able to get Deshaun Watson, keep Gusecki, keep Agba, and probably sign two starting offensive linemen. And then you got to let Gusecki walk. Well, and you wouldn't even have to use because, you know, one of the big things you have to look at when you have your cap space is how much am I going to allocate to my draft picks? Well, if they're trading their top three first round picks for for Watson, they don't have to shell out those bucks for those draft picks. I mean, I'm just saying, like, they could make the offensive line good. And, you know, oh, they make the offense, if they get Deshaun Watson and, Make the offensive line good? 2-2. Two, two. I'm all on board. Let's go. But if you're going to trade three or four first-round draft picks for this guy and or two and two roster players or two second-round picks, and now he's technically, follow me here, a more valuable asset than a guy you just selected at number five and only missed one draft pick in. Now he's a far more valuable asset. And you're not – and if that's my issue. We can't trust them right now to build around the number five overall draft pick. That's their guy that they're tied to. Can we trust them to properly build around a guy you're going to invest that? Because we've never invested those many assets. We didn't invest that much in training for Ricky Williams. Right. Well, let me ask a question in response to that to everyone, because I, I think this is a good question. The Texans apparently did not want to uh, in part of the trade before. Do you think anything that he's done this I've year? I still love Davis Mills. Yeah, and, and I liked it. Davis Mills. I had a higher grade on than Mac Jones. Yeah, I, but do you think there's any scenario now where maybe because you know two has been playing better, playing efficient football, the Texans say, you know what? We're going to have a top three pick in this draft, and the quarterbacks that are staring us in the face are nothing near what we want. So let us I don't get know you heard, but I heard Howard and Wilkins from what I've gathered, they wanted defensive pieces. They wanted why Carolina always intrigued me. And I was like, why are they loading up on so many big name quarters right now? Are they looking to shift one of those guys? And why did they McCaffrey? We're all dolphin fans sitting up here right now. We all saw when McCaffrey went out, he sat there rolling his ankle with his hand. He didn't look hurt. If you're really hurt now for the season, you're not going to sit there and roll your ankle. And he wasn't even doing it in the tent. And I'm like, are they shutting down for a higher draft pick and to save McCaffrey for part of the package too? Because remember, Steve Ross wanted some of the civil cases settled. The Carolina Panthers were one of the teams that did not care about any of that stuff being settled, as were the Eagles, right? Eagles are ready to pony up whatever they wanted. So you know what I'm thinking might happen? This is where I'm wondering. If they still get caught up on all those allegations, like Ross and stuff, like you got to get some of this settled, even if the criminal stuff gets handled, the civil stuff, and they slack, and they play patty cake and sit on their hands, and one of those teams swoops in, Deshaun might just say, F it, I want to get out of here, especially if Carolina's. Of the, and the only reason I've continued to say Carolina's a dark horse is Clemson. And I'm going to say, I'm going to put it in this analogy. If Urban Meyer was doing what he's doing right now in a city or like a big – because 
a big NFL franchise, not Jacksonville, a big NFL franchise near a city where he was considered a college god like Deshaun Watson was to Clemson? Because no one really thinks of Urban Meyer as a Gator God. Like, let's be honest with itself. With that era, they 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 put Tebow in there, right? The Tebow is the one that gets all the love there, right? So if he was no one would be talking about Urban Meyer. All that stuff in the club dancing with the girls swept under the rug. All his grinding would be swept under the rug, bro. And I'm not implying, I'm not saying, I'm just saying. If you were to go to Carolina, you can. Masseuse is on standby, brother. But no one's he, gonna be saying a damn thing. That's all. If I he wanted to be in Carolina, though, he would have want he would have went there and waved his no to trade. Uh, call. No, what I'm saying is that no, what I'm saying is yeah, I agree with you. But if we keep playing patty cake, patty, oh, yeah. you got to get this settled. And he's like, yo, I want out of Houston. I want to play football. Stop with this nonsense. Some team could swoop in, and that's why I always sure. need to care. We could be our own worst enemy because it looks like. Whether it's Greer or Flores, because we've all heard different things, Ross is the one saying, "Hold on, boys, I've seen how you use some of my assets and spent some of my money. Let me do my own research." And he's the one that's hung up on the civil cases, not them. That's what I say. If he gets indicted, if he's hung up on civil cases getting wrapped up, if this guy gets indicted, it's over, bro. Well, there's going to be, I think, a couple other top five quarterbacks that could potentially on the move. Aaron Rodgers, I, I just don't see him leaving. Denver. I just don't see him leaving. Denver. I think Russell Wilson's going to be on the move. I, I think that the time yeah. in Seattle and with Pete Carroll, it, it's yeah, festering to something. Yeah, I just think that they're they're going to move him for a treasure trove of draft picks. But like you know, there's going to be a couple quarterbacks out there that traditionally aren't out there. But it'll be interesting to see how it pans out. But you know, I, I my, my no. part right now is I don't care if my quarterback is black, white, purple, yellow, orange. Uh, is from Mar- Mars, Jupiter. I don't give a damn as long as we win. Right. And, and I think two is passing the test right now. So, like, yeah. I don't think he's doing anything to hurt himself. You know, we'll see what happens. I mean, like, you know, he's got a couple big games coming up. And, you know, you, you look at the schedule and you say, oh, winning at nine games in the NFL is really tough. And, and I'm saying that too. But, like, Tua is the kind of guy that doesn't let those things get to him. And if he can lead these teams to wins and stack wins, I mean, I mean, he's he, he's like already a legend in Miami, right? <laughs> like, so it's. I will be- say this, and this is the only comparison I'll make between Tua and Watson. You'll ever hear me make. Tua is racking up wins in a much tougher division than Watson was racking up wins in, because he was winning the division when Brissett was in Indy, Mariota was in Tennessee. This guy's having to put up with the Patriots rebuilding in a year because <laughs> they get all their guys back from COVID, and they're calling Jones, and he's having to put up with Josh Allen and the Bills' emergence. Like you know, he's putting up in a he's in a tougher division. I will say that. Sure. So, do, 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 do you think it's a possibility with this lingering on that the Texans could lower their compensation package for um, Deshaun? You know, I didn't want three first round picks or whatever. Because, mm-hmm. like, like you said, reason if this stuff is still hanging around in January, they don't, I'm sure they don't want to carry him to the well, next no, season. No, January. You know? If he gets indicted, well, yeah. you won't. My <laughs> thing is, if he gets indicted, I think he will go for less than. Three three picks because uh-huh. teams will back out. Of course, yeah, it, it's also playing, I, and yeah. he'll be put on the exempt list if he gets indicted. Yeah. Isn't he automatically put on the exempt list? I think he is. I, I don't know. Okay, yeah, I don't, I'm Just not from sure talking to that. people. I was told if he gets indicted, he gets put on the exempt list. 
Yeah, no, it's 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 going to be an interesting story, a story that won't die. And if die. he's not guilty, man, I hope this does not ruin his career and he continues to have it, whether it's in Miami, whether it's wherever. If he's not guilty, I hope this does not, you know, mentally affect him or cost him his career. But if he is guilty, throw the book at him, obviously. You know what I mean? But if he is not guilty, I really hope this does not affect his career long-term because, dude, this would is a lot to deal with even if you are innocent, you know, like – having to constantly look over your shoulder and prove yourself to everyone. Cause that's the thing is, even if he's not guilty, so much PR damage has been done to him. And I mean, what's crazy is Richmond. I'm not going to, I'm going to kind of put uh, both of us on the spot. You remember back in March, was it February? It was February or March. Remember I called you and I think I was going to pick up food for the family. It was that day where I dropped a gif from boys in the hood. Where I put Chris Simpson. Oh, with Ricky, on Ricky. Ricky, yeah, yeah. And I, I popped out of the back of the Beamer with the shoddy and blew him away. Yeah. Right? I don't know if you've seen that, Neil, but it's a money. <laughs> I did. And uh, um, you remember we had that conversation and we were talking about it got it got brought up because someone in the community named Estefan was going around on different platforms and he was telling everyone he knew a girl who ran into uh uh Justin Reed in the in the at the mall and Watson was with them and they wanted to get an autograph, this girl and her friend and Watson wanted nothing to do with them and the autograph. And then me and Richmond started talking about like his charity. And he was like, we started talking about like how active he is and cause Richmond lives out in that area. Right. So yeah, we started Houston, talking yeah. about how active he is in the charity community and not even talking about Watson. Me and him just started talking about, you always wonder if some athletes do this as a front to like, you know, behind the scenes are really like, you know, there's a lot of shady stuff going on, but in the public eye, they're like charity guy. Number one. And we weren't even talking about Watson. It just brought that on. Right. There's tax breaks associated with it too. Yeah. 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 So it's it's good for your image and everything. Even if you don't really like doing it, it's just kind of crazy how things turned out, Richmond, how we had that conversation based off Watson and, even though he's not, we he hasn't been proven guilty. It's just kind of crazy how that's that unfolded, like random. Um, okay, so we talked about Kaseki getting hit in the face with the football. <laughs> Let's ask the real question here: um, Are they going to extend their franchise against Kaseki? Are they going to try and get the compensatory pick? You look at they've been using Durham Smythe in a lot of different ways where they could use Kaseki, and they're not really doing it. Um, the rumor is he's going to command 11 to 13 million. Um, what's your opinion right now? I mean, I, I broke down the numbers for everyone. He's actually only been used. Check this out. He's only been lined up in line 5% of his snaps. For example, Kelsey is like 27%. Um, Waller, 50% of his snaps come in line. Um, Mark Andrews is like 23.7%. Kittle's like over 30%. Um, 60% of his snaps have come in the slot. Over 30% of his snaps have come on the boundary. Um, if you were to pay him $11 million, a commenter, someone in my comments, a subscriber, they did the math, and he would have been – that would make him the 23rd highest paid wide receiver in the NFL if you paid him $11 million. But if you paid him $13 million, that obviously bumps that number up, but it also makes him the fifth highest paid um, tight end in the NFL. And if you paid him that $11 million, he would be making less than John U. Smith and Hunter Henry in New England, for example. 
Um, what's your guys' opinion? Um, and I asked this also with this intact. Would you pay him his 11 or 13 million, or would you use that money to go chase an Allen Robinson, a Chris Goodwin, sorry, Chris Godwin, uh, Michael Gallup? Um, you know, would you go bring Jarvis Landry back on the cheap? You know, what would, would you rather allocate that money to other receiving options, or would you give Gasecki his money, or would you let him walk? Well, I, I guess the way I look at it is, and you brought up a good, good thing when you talk about the usage rate with the other tight ends, um, um, Kittles and guys like that, you know, they, those guys have already gotten paid. So uh, most teams are going to maximize the money because they're giving it to them. Um, but when you said that the Dolphins have been using Smythe to, to give him more reps, and this, if he shows and he continues to improve and do this and that, it makes it a little easier to justify to say, we don't necessarily have to pay Kaseki. We can pay this guy a ton of more money, less, use this money somewhere else, and maybe bring in another receiver or something that could play the slot or whatever, or another tight end that probably is good at, you know, have good at running routes and being a, a contributor in the run game, you know, being able to run. So I think what they're doing is they're playing Gusecki, but like you said, um, he's kind of been in a slump. So if he can kind of finish strong these last four games, I think it helps his case, but if he kind of stays in slump and guys like Smythe really show they're consistent and they got some upside and stuff that they possibly could move move off of it. Yeah, I, you know what's funny? If you asked me this five weeks ago, I'd say signing Mike Kosicki was a no-brainer, and, and then the last five weeks have happened. And I think the Dolphins kind of tipped their hand when they took Hunter along in the third round. I, I think that was a kind of the more style they player that they're looking for, a guy who can play more in line. And fun fact, you know, he dropped that pass last week in the end zone, and I said, Mike Kosecki has to catch that ball, can't let it hit your face mask, and he blocked me on Twitter. So I'm like – Wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I, yeah, and look, and like just to be completely transparent, my wife went to Penn State. Uh, I, I, I was hoping they'd resign him so that like me and my wife and my son could get matching 88 jerseys because it's like, you know, I, I like – I couldn't believe that he did that. I've been one of his biggest supporters, wow. period. I had him as the number one ranked tight end in that draft class. And I like I was just blown away because I the other day I saw something come up and I clicked his name and it's like, you are blocked. And I was like, dude, all I said is that you should have caught a ball that I could catch. Like it's not that big of a deal. Like, but it is what it is. But like I Bro, how are you gonna run through garages? Have them throw the ball over the house and you can make the catch, but you can't make the catch if you get in the face mask. Explain well, that to me. Well, you know, I, 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 you know, I like to read, you know, people, you know, kind of the poker face. What's their face? And when they, the last time we saw the Dolphins on my TV screen, Mike Kosicki was vividly frustrated with being on the sideline. I could see it in him. Um, Durham Smythe was getting better assignments than him. And then Kosicki would be put in the game and he was dropping passes that he catches nine out of 10 times. So I think he was a little bit distracted. I think the move with Mike Kosicki is, if he is not part of your plan, I don't think you let him walk. I think you franchise him and trade him because you'll get better than a third round pick in a trade for him. There's a team with with the draft pick. Like let's think about like someone like the Jacksonville Jaguars, for example, who would love to get a pass catching tight end for Trevor Lawrence. Maybe you get them to cough up their top three pick in the second round, right? Like pick thirty five. 
and and then you save it. So like, but like if the price tag is eleven million dollars, which I I just think in today's market he's going to get more than that. If we're down at eleven million dollars, like that, that's a game changer. I, I, I'd probably pay Gusecki eleven. If it creeps to thirteen, fifteen million dollars, I think it's a different conversation. Yeah. I don't think it's as easy as like Mike's made a couple highlight real catches this year. Let's pay him. Like he is what he is. I mean, like what's what's I mean, I don't have it in front of me, but like he hasn't even caught a lot of touchdowns this year. Um, yeah. you know, he he's he Dude. started off he started off like gangbusters, but like. Ever since Marlon Humphrey shut him out, like he's been very, very quiet. Um, and I'm a big Mike Kosicki fan, so like you know, I, I, I like I like developing your own, getting a guy like that who in the second round who turns out to be a good pick and keeping him here. But I think he's got to be crucial to us in the in the stretch here. Like you know, Tennessee game, uh, the Saints on Monday Night Football, that Patriots game. Mm. He's going to have to earn his check. I don't think he's earned it yet. You know, we're back at like. You know, he's probably at like, um, you know, he, he hasn't got to park place yet on the Monopoly board. You know, he, he he's coming around the reds and maybe getting into the green area, right? Like he has to play strong to get that contract. I think it's good to be unknown at this point. Like you got like you can't just throw this money around like the dog. Like I like that Chris Greer is a little tight with his money, meaning we have the cash space right now to say, you know what, Agba, whatever you want. Gusecki, whatever you want. Should have done that though. Yeah, and Agba, but you know what? I, I I also think that they'll get a good team friendly deal with Agba. But like, yeah, the Mike Gusecki debate's really really interesting. Um, it, it's going to be that's another story that will play out. But like, he's got four weeks to prove that he is because the, the 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 barometer that I've heard is top five tight end. And you have Travis Kelsey, you have George Kittle, you have Rob Gronkowski, and you have Mark Andrews and Darren Waller. They're the top five for me. You know what's crazy though. Darren Waller had one more yard of him heading into this last this last weekend, right? Where he actually Gesicki was on a buy and Waller missed it, right? But he's been used in line fifty percent of the time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, yeah, he had, I think Gesicki had six hundred forty two yards and Waller had six hundred forty three, but Gesicki only has two touchdowns. Like that's right. That that you're supposed to be a red zone threat. You know what I mean? And you kind of disappear in the red zone a little bit. Well, we've seen the last couple of weeks of the 49ers, right? Like the complete tight end that can play in line, that can block, like George Kittle, right? Like that's a luxury in today's yeah, NFL. He good routes. Yeah, he runs good routes. Like, and that's not Mike Kosicki's game. So it, it's going to be really interesting. But I, I do think the fact that Durham Smythe's seeing the field more and more, they yeah. draft him along. Yeah. If I had a bet, I'd actually think it's more in the direction that if they do keep them, it'll be on the franchise tag and not a long-term deal just yet. The problem, though, is if you franchise tag him, the NFL decides his designation, and they're going to look at his usage, and they're going to see he's only been lined up in line 5%, 5% of his snaps, like by far the lowest of any tight end, 60% in the, in the slot. They're going to say you're a slot receiver. Yeah, no, that's that's definitely and now we're getting into real money, like not tight end money. Now we're getting because the franchise tag is like you got to pay the highest to that designation. Yep. So he would have to match the highest uh, receiver contract. That's and you saw what Godwin made when they franchise tagged him. That's scary, bro. Like, I agree. like, geez. So what do you think, uh, Richmond? Do you think yeah, you let the you walk or what? Well, and I was listening to you and Neil, and the first thing I, I thought of it, and it kind of reminded me, you know, as a player, if you want top five money, you got to go out and produce. 
and you know this is your last year, so it's not a secret to anybody. So if, if you want it, you got to make those type of kids. Hold on. Let me unblock y'all on Twitter right quick. I just forgot. <laughs> I'm just playing. That, <laughs> that, no, that, that was the point that I came up with was that, um, man, if you want it, you got to go out and ball out. And the film online, they got to see it. And they'd be like, whether even if his usage ratio was higher in the slot, but he's producing, you got to produce. And just say, hey, if y'all not going to pay me, somebody's going to pay me because I put the numbers out there. And like you say, he's kind of been in a slump, this and that. So you got to finish strong and you got to come up with the big time catches, the clutches, this and that. That's what draws attention to you. It's like, man, this guy's balling. He can help us win football games. So hmm. it's it, really it, in his court. Yeah, he got he got he got to step his game up if you want the money. And another interesting point about that to me is that he is the most vocal to a supporter on the Miami Dolphins, right? Like he is every time he gets a chance, he's defending to a tongue of Aloha, right? So hey, like saw what happened today. He got joy all worked up. Did he? Queen of so, thickness, bro, got all worked up. Um, so I, so it's, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. I mean, like they haven't pulled the trigger yet for a reason. And, and I think they're waiting to see. I think you know what the problem is. Reason there hasn't been that consistency of upper echelon play. We've seen we've seen sparks. We we've seen instances, but we haven't seen that carried out over a 16 game season. And you know you 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 can you can only pay so many players. And you know I, I think that if you look at the free agency, you know the the list out there. You you made a great point. There's going to be great receivers. So say in a perfect world, you know, and Robinson's value might be down because of what's happened to him this year. With well, the let's talk about Allen Robinson. Like aim bigger, right? Say Devonte Adams really is done Green Bay. And oh yeah, oh. million dollars a year. Well, that's a lot easier to swallow if you're not paying Mike Gesicki. So like it's like I think the Dolphins are going to make you earn your earn your extensions. Uh, you know, we used to we used to give them out like and look like Jason Sanders is a guy, right? Like we paid the guy his extension. And we paid him his how the money, and now ever since then, it's like, what what happened to the guy last year? My top five reasons of why we might miss the playoffs. Was he really? Because you know what? You know what our luck's gonna be. We're gonna win the next three. We're gonna get to the Patriots game, New England game. We're gonna need a field goal because it's gonna be a tight game. Jason, Colonel, the Colonel's gonna walk up there and he's gonna (laughs) kick it like it's a bucket of chicken, all wide and and to the thigh, bro. And it's gonna be no good. And we're gonna be like this. And you know what's crazy? Ogba, you know how I feel about who I'm about to talk about. There's no way in hell I would have handled Baker's extension before Ogba's. Are you crazy right now? And that's gonna bite him in the ass. And now they're gonna have to overpay on Ogba. But another guy. We were all kind of like, okay, he got paid, he got the money he wanted, but we were we, we were all kind of looking at is he gonna be back next year, even with the now he restructured a couple weeks ago, but he's also found his form. And I'm talking about Xavier Howard. Is Xavier Howard gonna be back another year? Because he's an essential piece of this defense. I mean, Noah Benogany can't even see the field right now. They'd rather dress Trill Williams and Noah Benogany. And you look at especially over the five-game winning streak, right? The five-game winning streak, he's been very, very good. Um, he's allowed NFL passer ratings of 75.4, 93.3, 83.3, 47.9, and Krispy Kremes, which is nothing but donuts, zeros. And in that time, he's got two interceptions on our winning streak. He's got a pass breakup. Um, 
other than two penalties, he's been fairly clean. Um, and he's got that forced fumble too over that winning streak. Xavier Fowler, Howard has found his form. He was a key, key contributor as to why we won in week one. Key contributor against the Ravens. Richmond is X back next year. I, I don't see no reason why he's not back. Um, like I said, no ape and I mean it's nobody challenging him. If it was if we had a, a defensive back that, that was behind him that was grooming that we thought we could trust to take over that position and move off him. It makes it a little easier, but you know, he's played consistent. I think he's got four interceptions now, possibly end up with five, maybe six. That's a good year for any defensive back. You know, last year had 10. That's kind of one of those crazy years. This in that bit. The thing about X is a lot of times in clutch situations or when you need a momentum swinger, He's he our finds best playmaker. It, and you can't you can't buy that. So you got a guy like X, you got a guy like Holland, this and that. Those guys are hard to move off of for me because when you need that type of big player, he has that ability. He's been pretty much healthy. He was a little beat up early in the year, but like you said, these last four or five games he's really came on. I don't see no reason to move off of him. So I think he'd definitely be back. Neil. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't see how. First of all, like what they do from a defense, having two shutdown, well, or upper echelon corners like a Byron Jones and X allows them to do everything that Brian Flores wants to do with the cover zero. It's let Brandon Jones become a lethal blitzer and Javon Holland. So, I, I don't think so. Uh, you know, Richie, one of the things that I've talked about on our uh, the pod I do with Reason Fin Too Deep is that I think that Xavier Howard is the best defensive secondary playmaker since Ed Reed. Um, he gets his hands on the ball. He, you know, he has, he, like he did against Baltimore, he can take it to the house. I, I just think he's, and, and I think the plan was drafting Noah Igbenogany was to eventually push X out. And I think, I think that X has just, Maintain his level of play. That's what he did. And, That's what he did. He like, didn't make, nope. Like, and, and from so and, and being here in Baltimore, you know, I, there there's a lot of uh, you know opportunity to hear a lot of things about the Baltimore Ravens. We know that the Ravens tried to give up a first round pick for X before the trade deadline. One of the things that I heard was that the reason that the main reason it didn't go down is it's not the Dolphins didn't want to trade him because they didn't want to, but the main reason was is that X didn't want to leave the Dolphins for Baltimore. And if that is the case, you know, if you and when the trade deadline was going on, the Ravens looked like a Super Bowl contender, and the Dolphins looked like they were one of the five worst teams in football. I think that that mentality is something you need, and he is the veteran presence on this football team. So, and you lead by example, right? When you beat New England because your best players recover fumbles, you know he changes the game. Richmond, you nailed it. That is it, man. It's not even just that he makes plays. It's the timing of those I mean, plays. Yeah, like you can't, you can't teach that. That 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 instinct, the knack. Every play he makes matters. It's not just yeah. like a oh X made a had an interception. It's like no, he had an interception and it mat it swung momentum and it led to a score or he scored it. it you're right, hundred ten percent. Okay, so you guys have mentioned Holland. Yeah. Who replaces Holland this week and he's out now? Is he definitely out? Hold on. The rumor is, the rumor is, the rumor on the streets is he's had one negative test already. That's what the rumor on the street is, okay? They elevated Sherwick Redwine, though, today. Nick Needham had 11 free safety 
snaps, and he's a great athlete last last week. Brandon Jones looks like he's going to come back, but him and Roe are a box, guys. You're not going to leave them as your single high guy. You're not going to do that. If Holland's out, who do you replace him with? Do you go Needham, Sherwick Redwine, Clayton Fledgelum, Trill Williams? What do you do? Neil, I want to hear what you do. Well, you know what? You know, it's interesting because if it was if it was anyone but the Jets, say we were playing a lethal pass offense. You're gonna say you don't care. You call no, I would say that I would actually think about Byron Jones' free safety because he's played that. Come on, I like it. And put Nick Needham on the boundary. But because it's the Jets, look, I'll, I'll be honest, like and you're not supposed to think like this. I have no respect. Let it ride. <laughs> they're they're coming in here without Corey Davis and Elijah Moore are both gonna be out, right? I mean, like like if you're going to lose Javon Holland, this is the game that you, you're okay losing him for. Because I mean, like, what the hell is Zach Wilson going to do against us? Really? I, I mean, like, I, and I'm not trying to act like we're Two the four picks is what 85 you know, Bears or something like that, but like, we're going to whip his ass, and, and and I have no expectation different than that. And it's actually one thing that I'll say is it's kind of sad that Jason McCourty went down with an injury because this is exactly why he was brought here is that versatility but you know like look it could be sheldrick Redwine. it could be I, I don't even know who else the hell is on the roster web yeah i mean but it will be, we'll be yeah you're gonna be backpedaling richmond get ready <laughs> but i would love i i really hope that somehow Colin on on the on the field because this is the kind of game where that guy can pad his stats a little bit and get zach wilson a couple yeah. picks because I, I said this when they were drafted him I, I really thought that Zach Wilson was Kyler Bowler 2.0. I thought that he had that arm. He's on his. If you remember Kyle Bowler was on his knee oh, at I remember half, Kyle field, Bowler. throwing through the goalpost and all this stuff. I mean, I just don't see it with Zach Wilson, and I don't. You know what scared me about Zach Wilson? He what? I was like, what is this? What is this trickery? He wasn't good from the pocket, but he was great outside of it. I'm like, what? What's going on here? Like that's really worrisome when. I look at you and I'm like, yeah, he's not really good in the pocket, but outside the pocket, damn, he's good. Like your quarterback, not everything's going to be outside the pocket. You know what I mean? They contain you. What are you going to do? Right. Um, we'll get into the jets. Don't you worry though. Uh, what, what, what do you think? Uh, Richmond? <coughs> yeah. Up, who they replacing them? Yeah. My man, Neil got a little gangster to him. He was talking <laughs> about putting Jones back. He's just going to disrespect him and let him know, Hey bro, y'all can't do that bit. I, I was thinking, um, I was thinking uh, Nick Needham possibly putting him there. And then when you said he was getting snaps at the safety position, um, but hopefully if, um, I know you got the word on the street, but hopefully he doesn't get another positive test or whatever. And hopefully it'll be there Sunday. But if not, I would say possibly put Nick Needham in that, in that, in that slot. And like, like Neil said, get through this game. It is the Jets. It's not, I think we can, we can win it without him. I don't want to win it without him. But I think we, I think we'll be okay without him, and then get him healthy and, and be ready to go the next week. But neither will probably be my pick as far as putting him there in that spot. So obviously, COVID's ravaged this team, um, and Duke Johnson looks like he's going to be running back one. Malcolm Brown is back practicing. Let's hope it's not Malcolm Brown for the love of all of us, everything holy. Jared Dokes still, I don't think, has been elevated. Am I correct? He's still he been elevated. It. Makes you wonder where they think Jared Dokes is at right now, eh? Yeah, and round pick, though. Like, I, yeah. I like Dokes, Well, but, hey, Gaskins is a seventh-round pick. Uh, agreed. 
Um, all right. So is Duke Johnson your running back one, or are you going with Malcolm Brown this weekend? Either well, I, 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 it's not what I want. I, I know that they're going to go with Malcolm Brown. I, they love Malcolm Brown, and I, and, and I, you know, I, I, it's not what I would do. But like, you know, I, I think that as a Dolphin fan who wants to see Tua have to carry the offense a little bit more, I'm okay with all three of the running backs missing. Even though I predicted the kind of Philip Lindsay coming out party this week, and it doesn't look like it's going to be postponed a week, but like. I'm okay with it's it. It's another Sunday, right? He's thrown for 45 times anyways. Might as well. Right. And the thing I'd like to do is get creative. Like, get Jalen Waddle the ball on some on some carries. Like, do what they do with Debo Samuel. Like, he ain't going to run people over. But, damn, that dude's so quick to the perimeter that you can do some things with them. But, you know, I, I think they'll come out. You know, this is the stubbornness of Brian Flores. They'll try to run the ball a little bit. But if it's not working early, they're going to go into that no huddle, let to a kind of – let hunt, you know, let him hunt there in the short passing attack, and you know the Jets secondary. I mean, like this is this is a game where you know Tua could really start to like you know put some of those numbers up that you know three hundred yards, couple touchdowns. Like, I mean that that's very doable this week. But you know, I, you're like look, I've always liked Duke Johnson. He's a good pass catcher. Um, you know, Tua's really good at finding the checkdowns and the running back. So getting Duke Johnson a couple touches touches in the passing game wouldn't be a bad thing necessarily. What are your thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, I think probably like like Neil said, I think Malcolm Brown probably will be the starter. I think you get both guys okay. to work, but um, the way the running game is for the Dolphins, if you had to have a situation with COVID, it doesn't affect it affects the running back situation, but it doesn't because we're not heavily dependent on the running game right now due to you know the offensive line is net. So. Um, the good thing is, like you said, we got the Jets. I, I think Tua's going to probably throw for 35, 40 times. That's going to be the game plan, the, the RPO, the quick pass, and this and that. And um, I think this is a game we could get creative. You know, uh, Neil, you brought that up as well. Um, when you got a guy like Jalen Wall, I would say, uh, like Bama did with Devontae Smith when Jalen got hurt, I mean, they used him slide out, in, whatever. They just got the ball to him, and, and I think we continue to do that. You might as well maximize it. It doesn't hurt anything. It helps us in the long run, and it just shows his versatility. It's hard for guys to kind of just lock in on him and just say, okay, he's going to be lined up here and shut him down. So um, I would definitely do some of that. But I think Malcolm Brown gets to start, and um, Duke, Duke Johnson also gets some reps as well. See, I'd be rolling with Duke as a coach because when I heard him say – you know, because remember, he played for the Canes, right? When he said, I've been dreaming of, of playing here, you know, since I was a kid. That makes me wonder if he's going to play inspired on Sunday. You know, maybe he'll win it out eventually as the game progresses on. Because, honestly, guys, I would have rathered Lamar Miller's workout with us this week, work at, workout, and him get signed and have to go through four quarters of Malcolm Brown. So, right. Well, uh, here the answer is, and, and Richmond will like this being an Aggies fan. The answer in next year's draft is Isaiah Spiller. There's a guy that you get in the draft. Probably you might have to even move up in round two, but that guy can carry the load. And, and if you if you if you want any questions about it, put back on that game against Alabama last year. You know, I, uh, you know, A and M didn't win the game, but Isaiah Spiller was running against that defensive front and making things happen. And that's the guy who I think 
is the answer to the running back position. I think they're going to have to take yeah. him with the San Francisco pick. That's the issue. You know, hey, look, we've ignored the running back position for too long. Uh, if you can't get playoff Lenny here uh, in free agency, because Leonard Fournette to me has been one of the bright spots of the NFL. I him. wanted him this offseason, bro. When that guy, remember he waited out for them to make cap. I was like, I would have been swooping in to a playoff. I, I love Inside the NFL, we support Leonard Fournette big time over here. And the guy was like 26 in the offseason. Like, how are you not throwing catch at him? I don't get it. See, my thing is. Well, they've already shown us they're not going to trade up for a running back. Yeah. So I think they're going to miss out on Isaiah Spiller and Brees Hall. And I'm hoping Kerwin, you know, Kyron Williams falls to them. That That's where I'm hoping what happened because I don't think they're going to move up for Isaiah Spiller or I think you got a better chance of them getting um, Kenyon Green than you do of them getting Isaiah Spiller. Oh, like in round one, like a, the the guard from AM? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, Kenya Green would be a hell of a pick, too. Them actually pulling the trigger because I don't think they're going to take a running back that high either. Like, yeah, they probably won't. But I, I just, I'm such a big fan of him. And I, I, I love him, bro. He's my, uh, him and, yeah. You, I just, were, I mean, you made, you changed my declaration. I made him my running back one, bro. But it's, again, it's all going to go back to the quarterback, too. Like, right. Cause I think Tua really would benefit from having a strong running game, right? Oh, yeah. So like that, like that, like and that's a good young, for a young quarterback. Like if that if two is not their guy, they might not invest as much in a running back and say, you know, we're just going to spread it out and let it fly. Yeah. Speaking of the draft, the Miami Dolphins they just signed Damon Arnett, who was taken um, literally just what one pick after Austin Jackson, nineteenth overall in the same draft. By the Oakland Raiders, I had a higher grade on him than I did Noah Benogany. Um, If I remember correctly, I think I had a late second on Arnett, and I had a late third on Noah Benogany. If I remember correctly, um, Neil, you know, I know you're the big draft guy as well. So, your thoughts on Damon Arnett, the gun-toting, IG-threatening <laughs> mf'er we just signed? Um, because here's the thing. I, you know, someone said, Oh, did you know what he did? I'm like, Of course, you know, we've all seen the IG video. I think, that, you know, we saw how quickly they moved off Isaiah Wilson, so we know they won't put up with nonsense. And I think they obviously did their homework. I don't think they would have signed to the practice squad if they thought he would just have been a waste of space. Um, what was your opinion on him at draft time? And do you agree that this is a low risk, potentially high reward move? Yeah, sure. I mean, in, in the NFL, if you're a general manager, you got to gamble once in a while. That's how you get lucky. That's how you hit jackpots, right? Like, you have to do that. Um, no, I'll be honest. When I saw that video of Damon Arnett, though, like, that was a very troubling video. I, I mean, I, like, that and the Everson Griffin video stand out to me as two of the things oh, yeah. that really took me back this year, you know? Like, but I also got to, like, realize, like, I, I, I try to do everything I can do to stay in my lane and not judge other people's, you know, lives and stuff like that. Because look, you know, I I live in, in a county here in Maryland, and I haven't had any upbringing similar to some of the things that you know some of these you know NFL players are exposed to. So you know, I can't act like I I, I have any exposure to them. But like you know, um, well, from a pure talent standpoint, I mean, you're signing a guy who was a first round pick within the last few years to your practice squad, low risk high reward type player he's shown really good ability um you know flashed it and you know when you go coming with the kind of the uh the pressure of being a first round pick like the raiders drafted him coming from a decorated school like ohio state you know there's a lot of pressure to perform right away well you know you come here to miami there's Xavier howard 
You know, there's Byron Jones. There's Nick Needham. Hell, Justin Coleman's a pretty damn good slot corner, right? There's not a lot of expectation and pressure for you. And, you know, it's one of those moves that, like, look, if it doesn't pan out like Isaiah Wilson, you move on. But, like, who knows? This guy could be an impact player for you in the next couple of years. So, you know, Brian Flores has shown that, you know, he's not afraid all the time of, you know, these big personalities. He'll welcome in if they fit. They'll give him a chance. And, you know, I, I like this for, for the, the young man because I think, you know, at, for him, someone at his age, that video comes out, it could get very scary, right, for his career and, and everything like that. Like, you know, I, I don't like to see people getting rid off, written off when they're young. Uh, you know, I, I like to see them have a chance. And, you know, this is the passion. And th this is what is going to pay the bills for this guy. So, you know, I'm glad that the Dolphins are giving him a shot. And, and I hope that, you know, he doesn't make them look stupid for doing so. But the real the real ramifications, if it didn't work out, are, are very minimum. So, you know, they, they get a – a high quality player for not a lot of money and you're great on him. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually, I'm pulling it up right now. So <laughs> I want to, I want to, I'll do you want me to like, give you a second to, to look for it. Yeah. Yeah. Get, let Richmond go Richmond, with it. Richmond, go ahead. What, what do you think of this uh, signing? Because the Raiders, you know, obviously we got to face them before all the trouble hit the team with Gruden rugs and, and uh, obviously um, Damon Arnett. What do you think of this move? Yeah. Um, I think it's like you said, like Neil said, it's a gamble. But I, I think when you can get a guy that was drafted in the first round and sign him to your practice squad for minimal amount of money, I think it's worth taking a risk. It's kind of like the uh, offensive tackle we we trip was it traded for or signed um, from the Titans. And oh, um, Isaiah Wilson, yeah, Isaiah Wilson. yeah. Okay, well, <laughs> I couldn't remember his name, but anyway. You know, same thing, gave him an opportunity, but he got here and started making the videos, wasn't focused, and as soon as he got here, they got rid of him. So it's not like you – if it doesn't work out, it's not like you've got a huge investment in it. But um, when, you, when you can get around a, a good group, like we, I, I think uh, our secondary is one of our strong points. So working with guys like um, X, Jones, Needham, this and that, pick those guys brain because a lot of times, especially if, if you're willing to learn and, and guys are going to show you things to really help you out and really ele elevate your game and really make you feel comfortable where, you know, certain things to look for to where you can be productive. You know, I can see that here because it seems like the way our defense is, they look at it as a group. Everybody wants to succeed and um, just listening to X in interviews I don't think he he gets um, intimidated by you bringing in somebody. I think his mental focus is he believes so much in himself that no matter what, you know, I know who I am and he's got that confidence. So being able to bring a guy in like that and learn from a guy like X or something, I think it would be uh, – it would definitely be beneficial for him. He's just got to learn to keep all that social media stuff, kind of pipe that down, just chill out, focus on football. And uh, I think he'll be fine. Yeah, and I looked it up. Reason I I wasn't as high as most on him, um, but I had him as quarterback nine and player number seventy in that draft. So it's still top one hundred. Yeah, no, I and like I think that look, this is a talent acquisition business, right? Like it's all about like bringing talent in and, and seeing how it gels. And I think you know, like look, I don't even know the guys on our practice squad today, but I, I'm sure that not a lot of them have the pedigree of being a first round pick. Uh, playing big time football at Ohio State, like you know, hey, 
you can never have enough good cornerbacks in this league. And if anything showed you all the rules are going to this, the flags are going against defensive backs more than ever, you know, quarterbacks are putting up more passing yards. Like, you know, I, like it's funny because you look at the draft, you always worry what the Dolphins are going to do in the draft. And like, we always draft, do like mock drafts based off needs, but like with Brian Flores and Chris Greer at the helm, you got to bank on them spending one of the first three round picks they have on somebody in the defense every year, corner safety. It's just their MO and and they're going to continue to do that because they play a lot of defensive backs. Yeah. Yeah. They love that Ruby with the six defensive backs. Um, All right. Before we get into the jets dolphins and your guys thoughts on that, the offensive line, uh, I've been wondering this lately. Are we being overly optimistic that they're going to invest heavily financially into the offensive line this offseason um or do you see them even investing heavily draft capital wise or are they going to continue moving forward with austin jackson and um liam eikenberg and Dieter and robert hunt and then they're just going to replace jesse davis and maybe coach lemuel jean pierre with a veteran and see what these young kids get with a veteran or do you see maybe like i think really the only guys that the only guy that could be the only two guys i think could be starters on another team is Dieter at left guard and robert hunt at guard as well or tackle i think those are the only two actual starting caliber guys and you know how i feel um richmond and neil I want Ryan Jensen. I want a right tackle and I want a left tackle and I don't want Dieter at left guard and I want Hunt at right guard. But do you think they're even going to make an investment on two legit veteran pieces or draft an Ike McWanu if he drops to them in the 20s because of all what of what they invested in the past couple of drafts? Uh, Neil, again, let's start with you, buddy. I don't think they're going to make as big of a splash because we all want them to do what the Chiefs did, right? Completely rebuild that. Add Joe Tooney. You add Orlando Brown. You draft Creed Humphrey. God, I don't understand how we didn't get Creed Humphrey. And the Chargers. The Chargers uh, did it. Too. And the Chargers did it by getting Rashawn Slater, Corey Lindsley. But I, I think that I think they'll add two starters. Um, and with the way I think it shakes out is that I, I do think Dieter and Robert Hunt probably are starters that maintain their roles. I think they're going to give Austin Jackson every opportunity to win that left guard uh, opportunity. And I know you're shaking your head. I just think that they they have invested the pick in them and they want to do it. And I think between him and Liam Eichenberg, they're hoping to get one starter out of the two. But I do think they're going to – there's no way in hell they're going to roll Jesse Davis back out there. You know, they save $4 million for cutting him. Uh, I Like – Watching that guy play, the, and look, I, I'm not here to crap on him. You know, he's been a really good find for what he's been, but he's just overmatched the right tackle every week. Um, so I, I think they're going to make a significant investment for one offensive tackle and then probably try to get one in the second or third round of the draft. But I don't think it's going to be a wholesale change. Um, I think they'll make, I think they'll get one key starter and will probably roll out with what they have. Richmond, what do you think? Yeah, I, I think they're going to look at free agency. Um, I don't think they'll break the bank, but I think they, they're going to try to get one of the top guys or, or just a tier right up under the, you know, because typically the first guys that sign normally get the the massive contracts. But I, I think they I think they are going to address that. Um, um, through free agency, I, I do, especially a tackle. Um, definitely the right tackle because two is right-handed 
and that's his blind side, this and that. And um, I think, like you said, maybe a guard or something. If you get a guy like a Kenyon Green or um, the young man you were talking about from, was it North Carolina State? Yep. Uh, I mean, he might be off the board early, I mean, based on what you tell me a bit. Um, definitely, if you can get a guy like that to kind of compliment in that way, you don't just have it coming from everywhere. You can kind of like say, okay, we might have to help this guy from time to time. But um, like I said, Ben Eichenberg, I have next year he should have two years up on his belt. They have an offseason where hopefully he can get a little stronger, this and that. Um, Jackson, I think they'll give him an opportunity, but I think you got to continue to bring in guys to make it really competitive that if he's no better than what he is, you know, he shouldn't be a starter. You got you got you got to show their, their front lineup. If you're gonna have a running game and you want to really open up the offense, we got to fix that. And I think they know that. So uh, I think it'll be some money spent there, but um, I'm gonna say two to three guys. I'm looking for two to three new faces on on, on the offensive line. Yeah. yeah, and Rich, let me ask you a question because you know. I- the best offensive tackle in Miami Dolphins history right here. No, there's no surprise. It's not even debatable. These guys that we're drafting in the first round, the second round, they obviously come with a lot of talent, right? Like Leo Micah Bird didn't even give up a sack in three years and stuff. How much of it do you think really is that their skill set doesn't translate to the NFL versus just having a, you know, a coach in his infancy stages of being an offensive line coach, you know, how much of it do you think it is coaching versus talent? Because, like, you know, I, I don't think any of us were jumping for joy when Austin Jackson was there. They drafted him because of traits, right? And, not, and sometimes that works, sometimes it doesn't, right? That's that's the coin flip. But, like, like for all of these guys to be high round, high draft picks and just struggle so mightily, it, it, it just – it doesn't add up to me. Yeah. The, the, the thing – I'll tell you the difference is – and. A passes. Um, Your audio, um, Richmond. There you go. You're good. You're good. You're good. Okay. Okay. Sorry. My audio cut. The um, first year was because one, like you said, he was kind of a project. He's just a great athlete, run this and that. But he was 20 years old. I think it would have probably benefited him to stay another year at SC. Um, and then we got hit with COVID. No training camp. This and that. Well, when I was playing, we went through six weeks of, of training camp, two days. They don't do two days now, so it's a lot less practices. It's a lot less padded practices. This and that because of player safety. Uh, this and that, and then a, a guy like Eichenberg, like you said, he was real good in college, but he's really struggled. That could be a combination of a coach helping helping you out, along with you adjusting to the speed of the game. If you don't, man, my phone keep acting up. But anyway, you can be great in college, but that doesn't necessarily pan over to the NFL. And I think the thing that really helped me and Keith Sims out was we had John Sandusky. We both came from, you know, we basically ran the option of we were heavily run at Texas A&M, same way with him at Iowa State. And uh, uh, the thing I can tell you is he worked with us because I hadn't done a lot of two-point stance, this and that, but when we came to Miami, we were brought there to protect Dan Marino, not so much to run the football, and that's what a lot of people – so they were surrounding that wall, so and we stuff. had to get that done. Huh? <laughs> and thank you so much for doing such a great job of doing so. 
So um, it does help when you got a veteran coach. I, I do believe in that. I think that that could contribute a little bit with having a guy such young. But I think um, with Jackson, I think it was just a project and it might need some time before that would develop. But I think if it was a veteran coach with Eichenberg as much as he played, I think that would help him smooth out the process a little bit more. Right. Yeah. And, and you always look when you when you're trying to fill the need, right? You look because I'm looking at the free agency list now and you know the names like Taron Armstead, Orlando Brown Jr. You know, those guys are gonna cost you twenty million plus a year. So you can't, you, you're, you can't buy, you know, the top ingredients at every position. But I, I'm looking at some of the guys that and, and Brandon Sheriff's another guy that's probably gonna, you know, break the bank from Washington. But a couple two guys that I really like that I think could be good values is Connor Williams from Dallas. Uh, he was an offensive tackle there. They kicked him inside at guard. Uh, he, he, I mean, he's been, you know, on pro football focus, his thing been grading in the 90s. You know, uh, he, he's been playing really, really well. And then a guy named Charles Leno, I think he was a Boise State guy, started his career in Chicago. He's been on the Washington team. Uh, I, I think those are guys are some of the second tier guys that could be really good uh, bargains. You mentioned Ryan Jensen. Um, I watched him a lot here when he was in Baltimore. I, I actually remember and Dominican Sue almost tearing his head off on that hit where Kiko Alonso lit up Joe Flacco, if you remember, and put him out of the game. Jensen came over and then Dominican Sue was having none of it. But, you know, you have to address this line. I mean, it's the Achilles heels of this team. And honestly, Tua has done such a good job of masking a little bit. But the thing that I don't like, and Richmond, you know this from the position, is that like, you know, we're not getting sacks, but the pressure's there, and they get no push when it comes to running the football. So we talk about guys like Kenyon Green or Ikem Ekwanu or Tyler Lindenbaum from Iowa, like those interior linemen that just move the line of scrimmage. They need some of those enforcers because that's what they need to do. Like you can't get three yards or less per carry and think you're going to go somewhere in the NFL. The only body movers you have right now are Hunt and Dieter. Right. Jackson is not a body mover. Eichenberger, Eichenberg is 302. Who the hell is he moving right now, okay? I'm sorry. He's not. Davis ain't moving anyone. And on top of that, he got a bum knee, so it's even worse. The only body movers you have, uh, like I, I'm telling you all this, you know how they cut Austin Reader? I would be kicking Greg Mansk into as my center, and I'd be moving Dieter to left guard, and I would have Hunt as right guard. And I'd say, "Yeah, uh, Austin, there's a there's the right bench. Go take a seat." And the reason why is because at least I would know with those three guys, two is going to have the interior to move up into. He might not have the tackles with Eichenberg and Davis, but he's going to have the interior when they collapse. Yeah, and it's just not how that it's not just getting beat, it's how they get beat at times. Like there's yeah. times where Austin Jackson just looks like he's I mean, look, yeah, and he's not a guard, but even when he was a tackle, he just looked like he had no idea. And I hate that look when you see him and he's just like looking back. Dude, you remember when uh Leonard will uh, not um what's his face? Um what team Len Leonard Williams for the Giants, right? Oh, yeah. Remember when he popped him and put him on his ass, but Tua just got the ball out. So did they PFF didn't count as a pressure, but jo Jackson literally got put on his ass, but Tua just got the ball out. And it was like clear as daylight right to Tua, but Tua just boom, balls out. Like Austin Jackson, I'm sorry. My thing, that's another thing that pisses me off about this coaching staff. Y'all will make every excuse in the world for Austin Jackson, but you're going to treat Tua like that. That's unbelievable to me. Like, who is okay in that in the building, okay? Like, 
unreal. But anyway, it's, let, let's well, get it's, in. You only feel good about for me Blood as a football fan. Blood. I only feel really good when we have a good left tackle. Like you know, uh, we're you know we're we're with Richmond. Yeah, but you know what? I don't care about the left tackle in terms of like obviously I want more competent than what I've gotten. But I want if you're gonna give me a Pro Bowl left tackle or right tackle, I'm taking right tackle. Left tackle, my quarterback's left-handed. He can see everything going on now. If we're getting Deshaun Watson, Taron Armstead, come on down. The price is right. Um, the Jets. We're seeing them for the second time this season. We've already talked a little bit about it. So Zach Wilson out here wearing that little headband like he's McMahon from the 85 Bears. All he needs is a video and he's ready to go. Um, he's a turnover machine. I think we should feast either way. Um, I'm going to go through to give me your thoughts on the game and give me your score prediction. Um, we'll start with you, Richmond. Uh, I think this is a stat game for defense. Um, if I'm Jason Phillips, I'm, I'm looking at, I should be at 10 sacks after this game. Um, <laughs> Javon Holland. I mean, he'll, he's only a what, sack and a half away. I'm with you hundred yeah. percent. Um, and you know, Javon Holland, but like X and Jones, if you get pressure from Ogbon and Phillips on this guy, this and that, and he's already lo- loves to give it up. I mean, it's Christmas time anyway. He might as well start passing out gifts early. So um, I could I could see two picks. I remember we talked about it earlier, two, maybe three. Um, I think this game should be a little bit more lopsided. At least I'm planning on it. I think Tua picks up where he left off with the – with the RPOs and this and that, and I'm going to say 2017 Dolphins. I'm thinking something like that. Neil. Yeah, I'm at 35-13 Dolphins. The defense is going to have a good game. I mean, it's going to be Jalen Phillips. It's going to be Andrew Van Ginkle. It's going to be Emmanuel Agba. They're going to get home. Is is Mekhi Becton still out? I believe so. Yeah, I mean they're they're going to get home often. I mean the Jets line has not been good. Elijah Vera Tucker really, the, the guard they drafted the 13 overall hasn't been all that. I mean, I mean they're they're going to get home. X is probably going to get a couple picks. Like I, you know, I just think it's going to happen. And on offense, I just don't know how this Jets secondary is going to keep up with Jalen Waddle. I think Waddle's going to catch a lot of balls, and I think he's going to make some plays after the catch that we've all been waiting. We've seen glimpses of it. This is the game where I think Jalen Waddle is on the highlight reel of every TV show the next day. Uh, I, I think he's going to have 150 yards. I think he might get two touchdowns. I, I just think this Jets secondary is really, really challenged. Two is going to excel in the short intermediate passing game like he has been, and Waddle's going to catch those balls and make people miss. And look, you know, having Devontae Parker back does not suck. I mean, I wish he was more reliable. But you look, when he's on that field, he's a difference maker. And, uh, you know, you can't take that away from the guy. And two and him have great chemistry. And I think Mike Gusecki's going to have a good game. And, like, you know, the, the, the shortage of the running back situation, I mean, I hope the Dolphins see this as an opportunity to really take advantage of a poor Jets secondary. I mean, Marcus May is out, right? Like, I like. You know, on the defense side of the ball, they have Quinton Williams and C.J. Mosley and a bunch of guys. And let's not forget, remember what happened after the Dolphins beat the Jets last time. John Franklin Myers, I think his name was, was talking, talking all that. Talking smack. 
right? Like, look, I, I'm serious though. If that if that's your quarterback and this team respects Tua and it seems like he is the leader of this team, you don't take that shit lightly anymore. You're like, you know, like this is where you say, you know what, you don't think I'm a good quarterback? Well, look, I just put up 350 yards and three TDs on you, and you're going home with another loss to me. So you can keep talking all that trash, but like, I'm two and zero against you, and both times I played you, I played well. So I I just think it's. It's such a game for the Dolphins coming out of a bye week, right? They're rested. They're healthy. It's home. I mean, it's a big game. And I like the mentality and makeup of this team. And I think it's unbelievable that the dog of this team is coming from their younger players. But, like, like look at the look at the bulletin. I, I, it's not bulletin board, but look at the stuff that Javon Holland says, man. This is a rookie who acts like a 10-year pro. Like, he knows the assignment. Like, I, I hate the comparison to always comparing the Dolphins coaching tree to the Patriots, but like from a business standpoint of football, a lot of the times you see a lot of that carryover in the Brian Flores, Miami Dolphins. And like, look, they're division rivals. They don't like the Jets. I, and this is a game like, you know, you want to call your, your, you know, your girlfriend that day and be like, look, babe, we're playing the Jets. Make sure you got me on TV because I'm catching the touchdown. <laughs> like, like, these are the kind of, you know, you, you're going to look good, and and that's where I, I think that's we'll learn a lot about the Dolphins by how they handle their business this week because you know this is a business trip. It, you know, I mean, this is a home game. This is this is an inferior football team. I mean, like we all heard in the off season, the Jets were going to be this sleeper team and could win seven games. And Zach Wilson was Aaron Rodgers. I and that was Daniel Jeremiah, who I love said that. I couldn't believe when I heard that. But this Jets team has shown me nothing. And the only guy that hurt us when we played last time was Elijah Moore, and he's Michael out. Michael Carter hurt us until he got hurt. He's, oh, he's out, right? He's coming back. He's coming back. Oh, Michael Carter's playing? Yeah, he's coming back. Oh, it sucks for him because he's going to be getting hit again. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, this guy. Uh, all right, so um, food for thought, you know, because you mentioned all those receivers. The reason why we need DVP to be healthy and Gusecki to get back in form because it's coming. And what I mean by that is if it doesn't happen in the next three weeks, it's going to happen against Bill Belichick. Someone's going to take away Waddle, and we're going to see what we're really made of offensively. Um, I'm going to be saving my prediction for my Friday show on Finside the NFL because I'm going to do – You're holding out, man. Holding out like that, baby. I got to keep (laughs) – I got to bring the audience back, bro. Um, So what are – do you guys have any final thoughts before we get out of here? One one thing I'll say I'll say one thing in closing because I know it's a big topic for Dolphin fans fans and and there's a lot of people saying that the guy stealing money and it's Will Fuller right that's one of the elephants in the room does he want to play football again I don't know the severity of his broken finger um, but I would say this if this guy can somehow find a way to get healthy after this Jets game and this stretch of games he makes the Miami Dolphins a complete help me hope. He does, though. I mean, his ability to take the roof off the defense, just like Waddle has, and when you add him, like, we haven't seen Parker, Waddle, Fuller. you see what Omar Kelly said, Neil? He said he hasn't seen Will Fuller in months. Yeah, I mean, look. He's he's not even at the facility. That is not good. Like, that's an issue, man. Do you think it's really because he thought Watson was coming here? Uh, I don't, I don't know. There's a lot of people saying that, like in terms of people just theorizing that. I have not heard that privately. You and, were and, right. I told you what yeah. I heard that he wanted to retire. You know what I mean? 
Richmond, would you let that guy back in your locker room if that's what you thought? If you thought he was, if he was milking this injury not to be a part of the team, I've heard, look- private, I've heard privately they're pissed right now because um, the slowness of us getting our feet under us offensively is in part to him because apparently a lot of what we're scheming up and planning and game planning for this year was based on his and Waddle's speed, and obviously we don't have it anymore. Yeah, I I just don't know. Like the veterans on that team, are, and there's not a lot of them. But like, I don't know if they would let them back in at this point. Like, what's the? I mean, like, I would not want to be a part of this Miami Dolphins team on a res- resurgence. I mean, I I just don't understand why he wouldn't. They're paying you ten million dollars for one year. The, the one game you played, you should have made the catch in the end zone against the Raiders that won on the game. I mean, it went right off your damn hands. I, I just don't get what, what it could be that's holding him out. I, I don't get, like, did he automatically overnight lose his passion? It makes no sense to me. Yeah. Well, it, it's got to be something for him not to even be showing up at the facility. And I, I couldn't see Shula or Jimmy Johnson letting that fly. Even if he right. wasn't going to play, he was going to be over there getting treatment. You're not gonna just Cadillac and why everybody else, you know, working. So some fans, some fans are theorizing that he was their liaison to Watson. Now, I was told directly by someone that in the off season it came down to us in Green Bay, and he actually asked his agent, "You know what the deal is? Tell him, Neil." Yeah. <laughs> Tell him what it is. If you want to win, go to Green Bay. If you want to get paid, go to Miami. <laughs> there you go. And I heard that from Neil. So, I mean, you tell me. I like, and we guaranteed all of it, didn't we? He doesn't even have to do anything. No, nah, he's got it. It's his ten mil. It's a good. It's a. It's a. It could be a cold business, but it could be a great business my, too. My thing is, wouldn't he have been if he was ready to go? Have, we haven't cleared him though, right? Yeah, he's not. He didn't come back off the IR. They haven't designated him to return yet. Um, now, Nick from Perform told me they performed like not they, but he had surgery on the finger, and I've heard that he shattered the finger. Now, yeah, someone said I, to me, and they made the good point. Okay, that's cool, but well, then why wouldn't you just bring him out and run him as a decoy? I don't know. Maybe you know, if his heart's not in, and if his heart's not in, I see some know. of those receivers' fingers. They go like. Seven ways from Sunday, bro. Give me a break, dude. Like, play through it. I saw Russell Wilson's finger before the surgery, okay? And that guy's back throwing the pigskin. I'm not trying to hear. I'm Will Fuller. If I was a leader on that team, I wouldn't let him in because he already – he already sold you out. He already gave up on you. Well, the quarterback played with a broken finger on his throwing hand. Just throwing that out there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, all right, boys. That was awesome. Thank you for joining me tonight, guys. Um um it's always a good time guys ladies and gentlemen i hope you all stay happy healthy safe and blessed and as always you know what it is it's fins up all day every day